Welcome to the Get to the Contest Small Business Podcast, a podcast for small business owners who are looking to drive profits, improve cash flow, save tax, and run a better business. When I was playing football years ago, my football coach gave me some great advice. Get to the contest and the rest of your game will follow. The message was clear. Focus on what's important and the results will look after themselves. Running a small business can be hard and full of distractions, so please enjoy the show as we help you to ignore the noise and focus on what you need to know so that you can get to the contest in your small business. I'm sitting here with Ray Jaramis, uh, Financial Life Manager with Traster Wealth and co-founder of XY Advisor. He's an award-winning planner who's got some ideas which I think you'll find really interesting. But first of all, Ray, tell us a bit about yourself. What have you been up to most recently? Thanks for uh, thanks for having me, work. So yeah, I've been with Traster Wealth for four very quick years, having having lots of fun there. We're we're an advisory business that uh, do can do all the traditional planning stuff, uh, which which you sort of be I guess somewhat familiar with. But we do things a little differently. We tend to focus on a on a behavioural approach which helps people understand uh, their values and uh, you know get people to really have a good relationship with money rather than just focusing on on the numbers so to speak sure and uh, understanding what they've got and why they're doing it and uh, hopefully not having a bad relationship with money uh, and a stressful relationship with money I think that's really really cool really important Um, mate this is the get to the contest business podcast so it's all about doing what's really important and focusing for you, what what in your career, what's been your version of get to the contest? What are the critical things that you focus on to become successful? I think I'm I'm just conscious of not going with the herd, so to speak. Um, often I think it can be valuable if you take a step back from what you're doing in your daily life and maybe just challenge yourself on, you know, what your career path is. So you're not you're not just uh, you know going Monday to Friday and before you know it we're in November of 2017 and you're not quite sure where you where you're heading. I um, you know the the times the critical points in my career have been when I've taken a step back uh, and had a bit of a think about what what I'd ideally like with my work and uh, where I'd like to see that headed in the future and uh, yeah they're the pivot moments so to speak yeah awesome mate like exactly I think just sometimes taking that contrarian view not for the sake of being contrarian of course but just reflecting and and you've said it there we all get busy being busy and sometimes just stopping working out where you want to go and working the important stuff that's exactly about the get to the contest and what that means and that's that's what my football coach told me way back when just focus on the important stuff take a step back and and get rid of the distractions so you're you're someone who advises people around their relationship with money but what's some of the best advice you've been given uh some some of the best advice i've been given is to listen (laughs) um you know i'm still relatively young in in my career and uh i think one of the things i've learnt in the recent past is it's okay to take advice and uh you know, maybe maybe uh, leverage off the years that uh, that people have in front of me, and um, yeah, not not uh, you know. Whilst it's good to have youthful exuberance, sometimes uh, yeah, taking taking a bit of advice at times can be helpful. What are some of the biggest mistakes that you know, if you're happy to share, that that you've made? I think uh, one of the biggest mistakes I made, especially earlier on, was not appreciating appreciating rather the. The uh, eighth wonder of the world being compounding interest, <laughs> um, and that's probably from a lack of savings and a you know being being comfortable with uh, getting that that little credit card earlier on. You know, there there it was a, an easy little trip over. Um, you know, you get access to, to easy money when you're nineteen, twenty, and uh, away you go. But uh, compounding interest is uh, 
yeah, something I probably should have paid a bit more respect to when I was when I was a bit younger. Yeah, uh, credit cards are evil, and um, remember a friend of mine once told me a poor man pays twice, and, <laughs> yeah. and, and that that is very true. What are some of the weirdest and unusual sort of uh, things you've experienced in your career? Any, anything out of the box? Our our role uh, with with clients is 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 generally pretty not consistent but but we we generally keep to keep to the core things that that people want in their lives so it 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 can often be as simple as i was in a review earlier today and we spoke about the idea that uh you know once you do have a certain amount of wealth it's really just making sure that money keeps coming out of the atm year year on a year year on year on year um and it doesn't necessarily need to get much more complicated than that in my role though i do do get exposure to people that perhaps have uh, surplus capital and uh, that affords us opportunities to look at some really interesting things so uh, outside of the box um, you know early startup uh, investments for weird and wonderful ideas uh, 2017's uh, been a, been a good year for financial technology or the fintech so exposing our clients to some some opportunities there but also the developments in a philanthropic style of investments. So, um, you know, we all see the the green investment options, which uh, you know just take out the miners and the banks. Really, there's not not too much beyond that. But uh, as we see uh, that that type that that sec- segment of the investment industry develop, it, it opens up paradigms for, for our clients to to really identify what's important to them from a legacy perspective and aligning some of that surplus capital towards those endeavours. Yeah. Awesome, and, and I know from our dealings with you, why take risk unless you have to? And, and uh, certainly with with people's retirement savings and their, their life savings, uh, exotic doesn't always equal better. Um, so, despite the better barbecue pitch, yeah, <laughs> that's it. Ignore whatever your friend says at a barbecue. <laughs> Keep away from the Joneses. <laughs> yeah. Um, now you you are a uh, I'm a Gen Xer. You're a Gen Y. So this is a question I ask my interview subjects. But what advice would you give yourself from 20 years ago? Which is well, I'd imagine you were still in the uh, in the early stages of school, as opposed to myself. As a, but um, <laughs> you know, what what advice would you give a uh, an, an eight year old Ray Jaramus? I think there, well, there's a couple of things. There's the compounding interest, which uh, is, is something I mentioned earlier. But the other the other thing I've I've learned to appreciate in my life is I, I don't know that I ever want to stop being a student. Uh, when you're a little younger, it feels like a race to year 12, getting over the HSC line into university, and you know you're on that uh, that wheel, so to speak. But uh, as I as I get a little older now, I sort of appreciate that the day that you set, that the day that you're comfortable stop learning is kind of the day that you start being overtaken. So um, you know, I tell my eight year old self, it's not a it's not a race. It's it's uh, you know it's a journey that you should appreciate and not not look to to get over the hurdle, so to speak. Um, just enjoy it. Definitely, mate. I couldn't agree more. Um, university or even the HSC—that's not the end of the line. And if it is, you, you're missing the point, I think. And and you're right. You know, today's world, you're going to be overtaken, and frankly, you're going to have a less fulfilling life as well. Um, learning's fun. All right, but today we're going to talk about a, a, a really common problem, particularly in light of uh, how expensive it is to get into the property market. Um, there's a, a real big trend in um, parents lending money to their adult children or giving money to their adult children to get into the property market. Now, housing affordability is a real issue, and for many young families now that's the only way they can get in. But perhaps if you're um, someone that's got adult children um, who are renting or even living at home and really wanting to get into the property market, what are the things that you would 
advise people to keep an eye out for? Sure, most certainly. I think it is a it's such an important topic. Uh, as as you you rightly point out, housing affordability for for young Australians is uh, you know getting getting out of reach to some extent. Uh, unless you can get help from mum and dad, um, and what what I'm seeing now is the mums and dads that I'm I'm looking after are, are looking at their children, and uh, you know with with the capacity to to help, really want to do so and to do the right thing. Uh, you're right, they're fraught with danger. There's there's plenty of things you just need to consider before you gift a lump sum to to uh, your your children because uh, you might you might inadvertently be doing them a bit of a disservice. Yeah. Definitely. So I guess what I see, one of the questions I would ask is, can they afford it? It's very easy to put your hand out to mum and dad and say, oh, well, please give me a hundred, $200,000 deposit to go and get in on a property. But people typically don't value what they're given um, for a start. But on top of that, are you setting them up for failure? Are they going to be able to afford to maintain the property, to meet the repayments, to pay down the debt, all those sorts of things? So any any guide, any steps are or suggestions around that? Yeah, I think there's a couple. Uh, firstly, can you afford it? <laughs> so uh, I think it's important, you know, I, I say that somewhat jokingly, it's important just to really scope out that you've got the capacity to help your kids and um, that, that doesn't unwind any of your uh, financial planning. Um, I th- you know, I think that's that's probably uh, important to, to cross that line first and then absolutely whether or not they can afford it. Uh, you know, I'm a big believer that the banks have their own lending metrics when they work out how much money they're going to lend an individual. But let's not forget these these people are your family. You've got a very strong sense, or a stronger sense than the banks of you know what their life stage is. Uh, you know, things like are they in a career that they're going to be happy in over the next few years? Uh, children, is there the expectation that we're going to be seeing uh, you know changing circumstances such as children and different things which might interrupt work? Uh, or employment, um, because if if you overcommit yourself financially, without taking a, a look to the future, you can really cause yourself some some angst uh, down the track. Where if uh, you know you just took the time to to have a think about what life plans were and uh, map out a little bit of a plan for your children, you know you can you can save yourself that. Definitely, and so I guess what you're saying is really having having a budget. And for anyone who's ever moved out of home for the first time, they've probably thought, well, okay, I can afford the rent or I can afford the repayments on this, but there's more to owning a property than making the, the house repayments. That's probably the easiest thing. There's the maintenance, there's the insurances, there's the hot water system blowing up uh, unawares, all those sorts of things. They, they need to be accounted for and, and, and budgeted for. So one of my tips would be have a budget, make sure it's inclusive of plenty of buffer but also before advancing any money i would be strongly encouraging people who are looking to lend money to their kids have their children demonstrated an ability to save according to the sort of the budgeted rate pre-lending because if they can't beforehand what what, what's going to change why would you expect any different afterwards so it also is a good way of seeing if they're serious about owning a property rather than being just gifted yeah, look, I, I think you know absolutely. Let's 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 simulate. Let's let's pretend the mortgage is there, and 
uh, let's get that loan paid off. Uh, let's let's see how that runs for for a few months and uh, whether or not that becomes tricky or not. Uh, let's live it and uh, we'll we'll do a trial, so to speak. Um, and on affording it as well, when we do our affordability analysis for our clients, it's not on today's interest rates. We know we're in very low interest rate environments. So, you know, let's let's be real about things uh, and, and test affordability at, you know, six, six and a half, seven percent interest and uh, really sort of build in a bit of uh, stress testing in the affordability metric. That's right. Exactly. In, in our parents' generation, yeah. they, they, they copped 17 percent at some point or some even higher for home uh, I've been lucky enough. I, I've experienced probably the worst I had was eight percent. But now there's whole, you know, a younger generation of people who have never experienced more than five and a half percent, and they, they, you see it all the time. They are absolutely on their limits, and, and a, a, a small move to say six and a half percent leave them unable to afford the property. So, yeah, great advice there, mate. Now, so let's say that we've we've sat down, we've worked out that we think we can afford it, and we've, we're doing all the right things. The time comes, mum and dad. We're about to sign over the cheque for the deposit or the help, and it might be 50000 might be 150000 but a significant chunk of money. What are your thoughts about providing the method in advancing that money? One thing that we generally advocate is rather than gifting a lump sum to, the, to your child, irrespective of whether or not you do want that money back, but, but let's say that you did, uh, rather than gifting it, is actually creating a, a loan agreement now, that's not a comment on your confidence on your child to repay the loan or anything of the sort. What it does, it protects the loan from things such as if there's a bankruptcy proceeding in the future and uh, your child has an unencumbered property because they've been doing really well in repaying the loan uh, against the bank and all that was left was what they owed mum and dad, but let's not worry about it because they're mum and dad and, and they've sort of given that to me, so thank you very much. We go through that bankruptcy proceeding, absolutely the bank's going to chop that up or the, the creditor's going to snap that up and uh, that'll get chopped up and you can say goodbye to that. But also something that we are seeing, unfortunately, quite a lot in contemporary relationships is uh, the likelihood that uh, there might be a, a breakup or a divorce in, in the future. And uh, w- you know, we know that the family court now say that if your child is in a home, in a domestic relationship with somebody for even as short as sort of six months, and there was a claim made in family court to split the assets upon interdependence, I think it's the legal term that they use, there's the absolute likelihood that half of your gift can leave your bloodline and go to the ex-mister uh, or, or missus. So, um, you know, I think a yep. big, big part of the loan agreement is making sure that uh, it protects the, the loan and stays within the bloodline. Yeah, exactly. And it, and it might sound harsh, but I think if, you, if you're kind enough and generous enough to be able to help out your your children, um, you would want to keep the money in the family. And if anything goes wrong, it's just like when you sell a property, the bank always gets paid first. Well, let's make sure mum and dad get paid back before anyone else gets any money. Just now, to, I was just going to put a couple of numbers on that work. So um, let's say your, your child has a million-dollar home and uh, they've paid off the bank and there was that, that bit that you'd given them. Um, and they go through that, that proceedings, you know, all things being equal, that'll get split uh, 50-50, so $500,000 into, into each. Now, if you've created a loan agreement and it actually sits as a registered mortgage on the, on the deed of the property... The same uh, way a bank does? Exactly the same way as a bank. You are a bank, in yep. effect. You would, you would have first right of claim to the, to the, the loan repayment. So, so that 200 grand, as an example, would get paid back to you. 
And the settlement from a family court perspective would be on the difference. So rather than looking at a 50-50 split on a million-dollar asset, you're looking at 50-50 on a million less the $200,000 loan, so 800000 And then suddenly you're looking at the, the net split, which is uh, uh, 400000 So... Uh, unfortunately, Warwick, this is something we have to talk to our clients about in 2017. It's you know we see it all the time. Yep. Um, it doesn't need to be over-engineered, but you know just taking a yeah. couple of steps. And that's right. And you don't need to necessarily charge uh, any interest or much interest. Um, but you've just pointed out using those numbers, it could be the difference between say your daughter, in the event of a divorce, ending up with six hundred thousand dollars as opposed to ending up with five hundred thousand. So you touched on it there documenting the loan agreement so uh, i've seen some nightmares where mum has lent a quarter of a million dollars to her adult child thinking yep all good child's got the money locked up in the house mum then gets to retirement age and then is left asset rich and cash poor and sort of is in this, being pressured like you know she she doesn't have enough money to live on but she's got this asset and the daughter's sort of there's almost an expectation well you can't make me sell my house and you know it's, it's my house now and and there's this this tension which doesn't need to be there. So, any thoughts about getting it, documenting it up front? Yeah, look, I'm, unfortunately, again, it, I think about it from an estate planning perspective. Often, one of the things we, we say with our clients is that a really good estate plan doesn't do anything other than allows your children to continue to get along. Um, and I think that's true for for well, you know, documenting a loan. Just have the contingencies in there. Uh, you know, just just set the expectation from the beginning. Uh, you know, again, you are you are helping out. You are doing uh, the very best that you can to for your children. So let's let's just make sure it's done in the right spirit. Um, and it does go back to that affordability question. But yeah. uh, ab- absolutely, it did. and and definitely just with that loan, you, you've you've touched on it there because it may be there's say three siblings and one child gets helped out. Now, if they're just gifted that money, they've effectively got a they're double dipping on on a, an inheritance or something like that but if it is documented and you know something does happen to the the parents and the estate comes into play well at least then it's a much fairer result and i think documenting all this up front and frankly having the discussion with all the parties yeah whilst we're all above ground and can talk and explaining why we're doing what we're doing and and what the rules are that'll that'll eliminate a lot of the stress and and headaches that will occur down the track so yeah great advice Simon but there are also other things in life which can happen Um, this links in to you know the the budget that we've talked about but you know some of these other events might be death and that might not be the death of the the parent lending the money it could be the death of a child the the child the adult child or the death of the spouse of of the, the child that's borrowed the money there might be unemployment retrenchment all those sorts of things so but what are some of the steps that we should be taking and should be ensuring that if we're going to lend money but also if we're going to lend money to our children what should we be insisting is a a prerequisite yeah sure look i get the registered mortgage thing i think is really wonderful way of protecting because if if there was uh something that happened to your children and the, the the property was sold you would sit as a mortgagee on that property just as any other bank and you'd receive the entitlement to the money back of course it doesn't mean you need to take the money back uh, but it just gives that option so that uh, you can choose whether or not you you'd elect to do that another really easy way of protecting your risk so to speak for want of a better word is an insurance policy Um, and it can sound a bit counterintuitive to insure your kids but uh, i have seen situations where 
you lend out a quarter of a million dollars to your child so that you can so that they can get themselves into the property market and uh, next to that we write an insurance policy for life and total and permanent disability so if your child was unable to ever work again for $250,000 and what that means is if they they're in an accident if they fall ill or the like the insurance provider holds that risk and would repay out uh, will pay you back that money of, of 250000 And if your children are, are in relatively good health and are a little bit younger, then, then you know, it can be a really cost-effective way of protecting the, the consideration you've made for, for them. Yep, great. And the other thing that I, I think we all should be aware of, making sure that if you're lending money to your adult child, it's all documented, it's in a, um, but have they got a valid will? in the event that they pass away, making sure that you're, you're not leaving yourself exposed. Now, all parents would want to do the right thing by their kids and also potentially their grandchildren and you know, the surviving spouse, all that sort of stuff. It can just be a train wreck, and at the time, if there's no will, and also particularly if there's no insurances in place, etc., it's going to be a train wreck, and, and someone's going to be, aside from the emotional challenges that it's going to um, pose, someone's going to be um, in a really stressful situation. <laughs> now, Ray, anything else on this topic or...? I look, I, I don't think so. I think, you know, we, we've, we've talked about the, you know, I guess the riskier side of lending money to your kids. But, you know, it can be a really wonderful thing if you've got the financial capacity to do it um, and fully supportive of it. I think, you know, what I'd just like to try and get through today is you don't need to over-engineer the process, but just being a bit thoughtful about the way in which you lend your children money. Uh, you can protect them. You can protect yourself. You can protect the whole family unit as a whole. Um, you know, it just takes a little bit of uh, talking to a couple of professionals before before you do so. Uh, but, uh, yeah, fully supportive of it. Um, Great. Yeah. All right. Well, well, thanks for today. Now, Ray, people want to reach out to you. Where, they can, where can they find you on social media? Yeah, most certainly. So Twitter is at rjfinlife. Uh, otherwise, we've got our website, which is www.tracerwealth.com.au. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for being part of the podcast today. And look forward to any feedback, any questions, reach out on the website. Uh, Please download and subscribe to the podcast and, and looking forward to next episode. Cheers. Here's a few of my key takeaways from my chat with Ray Gerardus. On a personal level, Ray has a plan and he pauses and reflects. Great advice. Have a plan, but then always measure where you're at and reevaluate, readjust, trim the sales, get back on track. Take advice from experts and ignore the barbecue advice that you pick up from your friends. Find someone who's an expert in their field that you know, like and trust. Lean on them for the important advice and don't keep up with the Joneses. Keep learning. Ray touched on learning. It's not about passing exams. It's a lifelong thing. You'll be overtaken and irrelevant if you stop learning. Now, some of the important things that people looking to lend money to family members to get into the housing market. One, can you afford it? You as the lender. If you can't afford it, it's a lovely thing to be able to want to do for your children, but you're going to put yourself under undue pressure if you can't. So if you can't afford it, don't set yourself up for failure and make your kid's problem your own. You're not helping anyone. And if you can afford it, so number two is, can your kids afford it? Can they really afford it? Have they demonstrated an ability to fund the acquisition of a house? And I don't just mean the mortgage repayments. If they can, great. But if they can't, and they can't demonstrate that, then you shouldn't be lending them money. You're not helping them. You're just going to do them a disservice. Document the loan. If we're going to give money, we're not going to give the money just for nothing. It will be documented as a loan. 
this will done for a variety of reasons, as Ray discussed, but one, it keeps the money in the family. But more importantly than that, it just protects the asset also avoids disputes so that loan should have payment terms what happens when selling the property an agreed time frame for repayment an interest rate if if you're going to charge any and most importantly the loan should and must be registered just like a bank registers the mortgage so this should be as a mortgage on the property so that if anything happens you're first in line to get paid number four when lending money to your kids loan conditions to prevent the worst so when people want to apply for a loan and everything's hunky-dory there's no problems but invariably stuff will happen you know death divorce sickness loss of jobs all of these things can play havoc so what i'd strongly encourage is wills and insurances to be a condition of the lending if the kids can't commit to that well they're, they're not showing any commitment to really wanting to do the right thing by you a commitment to transparency so if i was lending money to my kids i would want to know the status of not just my loan but their financial position just so that they are transparent around what's happening with their finances and and that I'm protected and a budget again a pre-existing condition if they want to borrow money they have to live within a budget and show that they can actually afford this thing well before they actually take out the loan you know a decent period say at least 12 months to show that this is a a viable proposition for them so there you have it there's the key takeaways from my chat with Ray Dramas. Hope you found it useful. Please, if you want to have a chat, reach out, Google me. You'll find me at foxgroup.com.au. Happy to have a chat and help you get to the contest.